your weekly corner spitty it is kieran and i'm here with rob hi <laughs> we're uh, uh we've got like a really full house yulia and nick are uh, away doing force femming the spanish king we'll talk about that later uh, on a different episode um but today we're talking about real important shit um we're talking with members of the gorillas workers collective and uh, we're going to get into some real stuff. So I'm going to hand it over to Rob to take it off uh, because we're sharing microphones because there's too many people here. Thank you, Kieran. Yes, it's a very professional setup today. Um, at long last, we have the darlings of the Berlin left here in studio with us. Um, Come on. There's <laughs> oh, get used to it. <laughs> Please. You should see how I talk to Diego <laughs> in private. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! There's a lot. Um, there's a lot to get to today. Um, I want to introduce. I want our riders, our four guests, members of the Girls Workers Collective, to introduce themselves. Um, I guess you can all do it yourself. So I don't know. Starting from the left. <laughs> but I'm on the right. <laughs> Stage oh, <yeah>. left. <laughs> um, I'm Anna. Um, I'm a rider, and I just work around the corner in Friedrichshain. Um, I'm Diego. I'm also a writer, although I haven't been to the warehouse in a very long time. Uh, I can get into into the details of that later on. Uh, I'm Joseph. I'm also a writer, and uh, I did a shift recently, and it was it was okay. Uh, my name is Camilo. I'm also a writer. Um, yeah, very similar story to to this Diego guy here. <laughs> Um, we've talked about gorillas a couple times um, in passing on the on the podcast, but a proper episode getting into the whole saga um, I think is long overdue um, for us because we've been keeping tabs, like probably many of our listeners, on on the developments. But also, I think for how do I say our listenership or the Berlin left is. Uh, I think we need to really break down uh, the ins and outs of, of what all this means, um, what's going on, and um, yeah, you all can say it better than we can, so <laughs> that's the idea today. I, I want to say at the jump, I have two goals or kind of topics. I'm going to say them at the front because we're going to keep weaving back and forth. Um, to, there's just so many people. Um, <laughs> the first is I'm sure many of our listeners whether they're in Berlin, they're in Germany, they're in Europe, they're somewhere else, they are interested in maybe unionizing, maybe they just think, my job sucks, oh, I didn't really think that I could do it here, but, um, so whether that's just uh, the ins and outs of the Betriebsrat law in Germany, whether that's like unionization in general, talking to your coworkers, any like uh, stories about that, any tips, I mean, just going through the, Everything that's happened, I think, would be useful for people. And the other is, um, as I alluded to before, we're in the presence of <laughs> true, real-life proletarians <laughs> that many of us have only read about. <laughs> is it is very obvious that as lowly podcasters, we're going to be incredibly insecure this episode about <laughs> what we do is worthwhile. Is it? <laughs> Please uh, tell us what we do is valid. <laughs> 
It is. Uh, well, insecurity is at least a sign of some sort of humility. And there's a lot of orgs and activists and people out there who want to do good things, um, but they don't know how. And they're very excited about gorillas. And so I want to have give the at least these four members of the Workers' Collective the chance to hash it all out. What does it mean that to be an overnight sensation? What does it mean for the future of the left? What is the best way to organize your workplace? How do we all fix all this mess? All right. Um, <laughs> I would like Sixth to begin put. at the very beginning, which is how did this start? So I don't know who has the best origin story. I heard that it was someone got fired for posting on a food sharing Facebook page. No. no. Okay. Yeah. So please, please. Uh, that, that's that's part of it. Clarify. But it before, and I think we got a, we got an old schooler with us here. So an OG. <laughs> an OG. Yes. I mean, you are too. But uh, I mean, he's also one, so... Yeah, actually. <laughs> Very true. Uh, when did it all start? I would say um, more or less in February. You know, I mean, before that, uh, there was already some people who, at least in the warehouse that I used to work at, they were talking about, you know, getting organized. It's like, why don't we have this kind of stuff? How How do we do it? Um, so there was some kind of discontent that was growing because, you know, working conditions at that time were not good. Also, they're not good now, but anyways, February was really, really cold. Uh, there was a snowstorm that probably everybody remembers. And that was the moment in which it became very obvious that we couldn't really work and the conditions that the company was asking us to, uh, because basically because the bikes were not prepared for, you know, the icy roads. So it was actually very dangerous. And if I remember well, spontaneously, uh, some people from two warehouses, maybe, Schoenberg and Bergman Keats, decided to go on a strike. And for me, that was like the the, the igniting moment, because after that, um, there was some attention from the media and whatever, but also like we knew, or the people who were interested, that there were other people who were interested on, on organizing. So then we started reaching out to each other, and then we had a first meeting online. I think you you were there, Joseph, weren't you? No, I, I attended the first meeting in that freezing cold room. Uh, it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I don't know how to eat the mic. Uh, uh, yeah, I was. I, I don't know about the online meeting, but we had the meeting in the in the really cold room. We were just like shivering in our coats. There was no heating. Everyone was like, every like few minutes, someone would walk to one of the heaters in the room and try and like make it work and it just was not working and we were all kind of confused but excited at the same time yeah that was that was uh that was interesting but i think you were putting it better than i can um well the thing is that yeah that was kind of like the first in-personal meeting um and one of the th the first things that we talked about was about the possibility of of creating a betripsrat that was, of course, not the only thing we wanted to do, but we learned about the possibility of doing that because that's something that's not really possible in many other countries. I come from Chile originally. Uh, unionizing is really frowned upon. So it's like, I didn't know you could actually do this kind of stuff and you could get the company to pay you for doing this kind of stuff. So it was like, well, that's just nice. Um, but at that time, we thought we we are just a group of maybe 10, 15 people. We're not representing workers, really. So even if we try to do this, chances are that we're not going to succeed. So at that time, the discussion was that we were thinking of trying to grow our base of support. And we started, you know, brainstorming some strategies about, you know, how to get people to know about the fact that there were some organized workers at that time. Um, so we thought at that time, let's do the workers' council later. But then 
the event that you were pointing out happened, uh, in which the company tried to fire one of uh, the people that were organizing uh, because uh, they were quite loud on social media. Um, they, I don't, I don't know if I can say this. I mean, he, uh, they um, are part of this free your stuff Berlin group that has a lot of people in it. So of course, that would, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So they had a lot of traction basically, and probably that's why uh, this person was targeted by management as one of the people that they needed to get rid of. Uh, basically, they fucked up the process as everything they do because this company is fucking. Incompetent. Useless. Thank you. Yeah, stupid. Uh, <laughs> Move fast and break stuff. Startups, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically they fucked up the process. Uh, we managed to identify it so we could rope this person back into the company. But then after that provocation, we were like, okay, now we're going to do uh, the trips right then. And then that's what kind of officially kick-started the process. I want to put a pin in there real quick because I realized not everyone... Is, uh, is following, for example, the Gorilla's Workers Collective Twitter account. Some people don't even know what Gorilla's is. So as I understand uh, the job is there are a bunch of mini warehouses around the city. Uh, there are pickers and riders. The pickers, so like you, you pull up your app, and I guess it's similar to Liferando Deliveroo in, in some way um, in the sense that you know you want something, you go on your app, you order it, and someone brings it to you, but it's more household items, groceries, and so there's people in these little warehouses who have to, as I'm told, like sprint sometimes to like get around and because it's the big guarantee is it's in ten minutes, right? Is that still that's still like everywhere? Yep. Ten minutes or less guaranteed. It's a delivery supermarket. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. And I think that's what like separates it or differentiates it from Liferando and Food Panda and Uber Eats and Deliveroo and all these other <coughs> uh, horrendous companies that they only deliver prepared food and what we prepare are like uh, Lebensmittel or like um, like household articles, food, etc. This kind of shit. And um, yeah, as you were pointing out, like warehouses are organized like that. There's someone who does the delivery. There's someone who like packs the 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 order. And there's someone who, so those are like writers and pickers. And there's people who do inventory checks. And then those are basically like the three base workers for the company. And then there's like like lower management present in all the warehouses. So writers have uh, above them a position called uh, writer ops or writer captain or writer champion, which is the, the cringiest variation yes. of them all. The, 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 the cringiest <laughs> variation of them all. Silicon Valley bullshit. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> and and I don't, I mean, I don't think they pull that kind of stuff with the pickers. There's like no picker champion or this kind of shit. I think their like immediate superior is someone is, is well, like sup just supervisor or yeah. And above them all is a warehouse manager. And then come like the big management shots. So like the city managers, I think the city is divided into like two areas, at least here. Um, and there's like one manager per for each one. And then there's one dude above. And then there's like like nationwide manager. And then there's like one of the chiefs. I don't remember who, probably like chief people operations, one of those bullshit. Uh, it's, it's not called human resources anymore. It's called like people's operations. And yeah. Anyways, that's kind of like a like a quick rundown of what the the company structure looks like. Mm. The the only thing that I will say to just kind of do this in an international uh, uh, picture is that 
um, this type of app, I mean, calling it an app kind of like obscures basically everyone in this room besides me and Rob and what they're doing. Um, but like this kind of company for, let's say, this kind of product or service, however you want to call it, is popping up pretty much all over the world in major cities, rival companies, largely due to the cheapness of property that happened during the pandemic. Uh, allowed people to think because a lot of people I know who have who use gorillas or have used it in the past thought you guys were actually going into Ravas, Lidl's, whatever, and picking this stuff up. And this is something that started with it actually technically started with apps like Liferandu and Volt, where these things called dark restaurants appeared, where these restaurants don't actually have a commercial face; they only exist on these apps and gorillas and like flink and yeser and all these other companies took that concept a step further and it's like the shop technically does exist it's just you're not allowed in it um the the general public the the workers are presumably <laughs> yes and uh, just one quick note to that i think the first one of like the big ones that exist now is getir and it was cr- it was created like six years ago and it started operating first only in turkey where it was created and then uh, got moved i don't know to other countries and it's it only started here like f- half a year ago i would say and like uh, the ceo of, of the company in which we work for basically copied the idea it's the exact same thing um so it's it's a bit like pre-pandemic mm. but covid basically like gave it the final push for it to be yeah like, brought over here get here yeah that's mm-hmm. the one that's um istanbul based and they kind of like proved the the concept i guess and they are turkey's most successful like startup in terms of just like funding accrued so i mean that's story as old as time like there's a million deliveroos volts and leaferandos like none of these ideas are necessarily new but there's only one gorillas and (laughs) gorillas i'm told is a unicorn which means that so when did it actually start what like 20 19, uh, 20... June 2020. Wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, just so, over so a year last ago. Last year. Yeah, yeah. It's and then big. it, what, it reaches like some billion plus valuation and some... I mean, what does that even mean? Yeah, like, ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that brings me back to the riders, which is a, like a massive uh, expansion in the workforce, a number of riders hired, and so... What effect did that have in, like, I don't know, facilitating, like, a kind of workers' collective? Like, was that a positive? Was that neutral? Coincidence? Mm, I maybe think negative, actually, to be honest. But when you have a massive... Oh, sorry, eating the mic again. (laughs) Um, When you... Well, from kind of my perception of... um, When you have a massive influx of new employees, um, I think people are kind of coaxed into... um, thinking that the company is 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 great you know it's it's providing for them it's giving them the waste food like they can drink coffee on the shift they you know meet lots of nice people they have a good time you know the company's cool um and i think people kind of get lulled into that a little bit um and don't realize about how um they're being exploited or they're not being paid properly um and i think it only is with some time that you kind of realize or experience these cracks within the company um and so i think it's actually pretty negative um for from like a kind of trying to organize people and and collecting um people 
um, to have a massive influx of new riders and new staff, I think. Um, yeah, I think that, that I agree with that, definitely. Um, but I think there's also maybe a, a, a complementary effect to that, um, that I feel it's favored maybe the movement, maybe not the organization itself, but maybe the, the, you know, the traction that the movement has had, you know, this whole thing about the unicorn and whatever, because it made Gorilla such a, you know, interesting company for people to talk about. And then it just happened to also have a, you know, grassroots movement growing inside of it at the same speed as they, as they were growing. So it was like, you know, I think I, I just have the feeling that, uh, I don't know, when we had the General Assembly for the election of the Electoral Council, there was like so media presence and all of that kind of like, it gave at least some kind of sense of power or of influence that we could exercise over, you know, you know, the company somehow at least fucking up their image in front of their customers. So I think that, uh, yeah, the um, the effect is very good. I mean, it has, like, it's positive and negative at the same time somehow. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's, I think it's been positive on the outside yeah. uh, or externally and negative yeah. inwards. Um, have, you, have you ever, have you guys seen when Gorilla's ads on Twitter forget to lock the comments? because <laughs> when they what? don't lock the comments <laughs> they started locking the comments after a while but every so often they forget to yeah. and it's just abuse from people really? being like pay your fucking workers yeah, yeah, i've seen a couple yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i think we'll circle back to that <laughs> just about um because i think the fact that the company became so big in a way uh it it just it worsened the conditions of workers definitely because you were talking before about you know it's an app but it's not an app but it is an app and that is a big part of the problem because as it happens with most of the platform workers we're working for an app so we don't get to really talk with the people who are responsible for you know the stuff that we're going through there's all these low management people but they don't really have the answers so as the company became bigger uh the feeling of being alienated was growing too and I think that, in a way, has provided uh, maybe a little bit of a force of pushing people into realizing that the company is not that nice after all. But, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I became very angry that the bigger the company grew, I was like, I fucking hate this. You well, know? so how did so you were there at one of these early meetings. What about the rest of you? Like, how did you or maybe maybe if you don't want to talk about yourself, someone you know, like how did they <laughs> join the collective or get pissed off? I mean, I know that both of you, you started in 2020 yeah. and you at the beginning of this year, no? And I joined, I think it was like after the third or fourth meeting that you already had. And I don't, I don't really remember, but um, I've been like working at the warehouse for basically a week. And I don't know, I guess uh, I either said something or, or made a joke or just said something like fuck this or whatever uh just anything and a colleague of mine told me like ah we're having a meeting next week would you like to join and you were there um i was there you were not there i was there (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry but you you were not there that was the third one i went to ah really i thought what an enigmatic figure this man is (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the first time i'm seeing him he's doing a really poor job at taking notes and moderating (laughs) at the same time (laughs) well i couldn't see the notes you were taking well yeah (laughs) no it was just like uh someone who i just like really recently met um invited me over to a meeting and 
and I went there and on yeah honestly my first impression of that and then the second meeting was like it's kind of dumb <laughs> like <laughs> like this this is bound to like uh die anytime soon because uh, like the first meeting I went to it was like five of us um and the second one was online and it was three of us <laughs> me being you know the, the like the new good trend <laughs> uh and so yeah after that one i thought like well this what like what <laughs> and then, but then the third meeting there was lots of us right the third one was yeah the one the one where, where we met yeah. and and that was right after our colleague from romania uh was um <laughs> uh, almost, fi <laughs> almost fired yes <laughs> um so yeah that's kind of how i got into it and uh uh, after that meeting, I, I did feel like, okay, this might, it, it may work out, you know, it, it may be something. Was that just because of the number of people or was there a different energy or what? Both. Yeah, yeah. I guess it also is a reaction to like an actual real, like, I mean, it's all yeah. good, but something very it was, it was concrete that just happened. Indeed. Yes. It was like, this happened, there is a really like obvious, concrete, um, like, yeah thing that we can do about it uh so let's do it and let's follow the plan and let's put our energy into it and that's kind of what happened for the for the following weeks after that and yeah how about you um i joined in may um and i just it yeah kind of weird i remember just seeing a message on one of the whatsapp groups so mainly how we start kind of communicate between riders um is through uh, various like whatsapp or telegram groups um, and someone posted something or other and it was from workers collective um i just remember reading it and being like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who are these people <laughs> that's what we wanted <laughs> <laughs> what's going on like hmm, okay hmm. um i just sent a message and said like can i meet with you i want to know what you're doing um and then the uh, beautiful and lovely <laughs> Diego came to the my The enigmatic place. Diego. The enigmatic, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we just met and he told me pretty much about what, what everyone was doing um, and how the process they were kind of planning and preparing for the Patrib's lat and whether I might be interested in joining. Um, and yeah, and then it kind of uh, spiraled from there. I would say. <laughs> so spiraled sounds bad. Pretty <laughs> fair enough. Spiraled up. <laughs> spiraled upwards. Yeah. Spiraled upwards. To be clarified. Yes. A very impressive yeah. jet maneuver in the sky. <laughs> Look really cool. Yeah. So how many people were there at that point? Um, so the third meeting, the one that kind of changed it for me, it was probably what, like 15 of us? Um, <clears throat> and then... That number kind of kind of stayed for a month, perhaps a bit less, every once in a while. But that was kind of like the usual number uh, or the usual quantity of people. Um, yeah. After that, we started meeting at um, <laughs> yes, at uh, at the uh, Riegerstrasse. Uh, it was quite nice. They uh, allowed us to use the space and. We continued doing that for like three months. Yeah. And then, so when did the, stop me if I'm jumping too far ahead, but I think, uh, I knew about it from you, what was going on at Gorillas, but I think it really blew up in the media and everything with the strike at Charlie after someone was fired. Um, I don't remember the exact date, but what was it like 
Take us up to there. No, I think you are skipping a little bit because yeah, uh, of the strike. I just noticed your hand is covered in ink. What happened? Yeah, it was one you? of your pens, so <laughs> you got to be careful. Wait, what? Yeah, the, whoever has the blue pen is... I have uh, a blue pen. Is this I, yours? I, enigmatic <laughs> pen you have. It's an enigmatic pen indeed. <laughs> Probably came from um, Gorillaz. Yeah, yeah, before the strikes, we had the General Assembly in, in which we were okay. elected a, as uh, members of the... Valvostand. Yeah, Valvostand indeed. Election committee. Ah, okay. And, uh, so I got it all mixed up. Yeah, don't worry. People get really confused. Even yeah. people who are sort of involved with us kind of get confused <laughs> about this sequence of events. So don't but worry. It's very confusing. But the, they were, they were. I mean, one happened right before the other one. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but. I think really the whole thing with the strikes became so big, uh, very much because we, on the one hand, uh, had forged this very good infrastructure of organization that led us to the assembly. So we were really well organized. So we were super fresh. And also there was all of this hype, uh, you know, in the media and everything and in the company. And also we won. So we were like, fuck this, you know, we can eat the company. So (laughs) I think all of that, you know, pushed the strikes uh, to... To the point they they, they they got to, and then that was definitely I think a landmark because that that increased our followers in the Twitter account from I don't know a thousand to ten thousand. <laughs> so it was like whoa, like very big audience we have right now. But yeah, that was after the assembly. Maybe I, I don't know if there's anything to say before I, the assembly, but yeah, probably there is. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's the week in which a lot of people got dizzy because of the <laughs> because of the increase in followers on a Twitter account. Uh, I would say some people lost their ground. Uh, that's how I like to put it. Uh, I want to come back to that. But yes. with the assembly <laughs> and the elections, this is... So as I understand it, this is... In the in the Betriebsrat process, the reaction from management was to argue or try to force these higher level office or management workers into this assembly to vote on it. And that was... I mean, you were successful in in keeping in, them out. In keeping them out. Yes. So yeah, explain that, because that seems like a go-to tactic of anyone of any company who who would face something like this. Yeah, I mean, so someone with the title special operations manager tried to get into okay. the assembly. Already a red I mean, flag. <laughs> <laughs> more, more than just a red flag. Yeah. yeah. Does that sound like a conflict of interest to you? It does to me. Uh, there's one, just one quick thing. Or go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was probably going to say something libelous. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was worried. <laughs> no, I mean, if if just to mention like a quick technicality for anyone interested in doing this or like reproducing the process in their own workplace, that the only people who can attend this type of event or uh, occasion are employees, and employees are defined by law as someone who cannot fire or hire. And there's like, I mean, that's like the basic thing, but there's more clauses that specify. So anyone who has like a specific responsibility within a company uh, is not an employee. So a lot of people who had specific responsibilities within the company were not allowed in the assembly because that's what the fucking law says. <laughs> but they were, they, were, they were very indignant. Uh, the indignation was <laughs> I, hot. I, I, I seem to recall. I remember there being buses. They're trying to send people to like a like a counter party. This seemed this ringing a bell. I think. Well, I think there were there were kind of people congregating or management congregating outside, trying to arguably intimidate people from going mm. in, and kind of coercing them to take beers in the park because it was a super beautiful hot day yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, we call that we call that a, a, a tactical rave in the biz. You got a, 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 a precision. <laughs> 
<laughs> a precision uh, uh, park park strike. Yeah, coercing them into drinking beers. Yes, <laughs> it was it was a very beautiful day. But to be honest, the 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 best part of my day was when I told a member of uh, the management that the conversation was over, and that they weren't allowed in, and just. No, conversation over because they were trying mm. to argue with me. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was a sweet moment. I had a similar one. Um, no, what I wanted to say was um, also, I mean, it, even though, yeah, it is true that the the law is very clear on that. Um, also, in order to make that decision, we as the organizers would need to know what every person does in the company, which is information that was not really provided to us. Uh, the company was really bad at giving us information we needed to mm. know who actually gets to go in. They gave like mm. super like they, they they send the 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 fucking employee list like the night before and the midnight before. And it was like how are we supposed to process all this data? And then they blame us for just being cautious, you know, because we already had the precedent of then trying to fire somebody for organizing. So of course we didn't want to create an unsafe space for our you know colleagues to go there and then what if they get fired, you know? Uh, so we were not gonna do that. And we maybe took the risk of excluding some people, but for the most part, most you know, low level management people uh, who kind of understood what we were doing, they were like, okay, yeah, fine, I cannot go in. It was only, you know, the fucking people Assholes. high up the ladder. Yeah, those that. Yeah. S- special operations CEO, office manager. Yeah. Yeah. I started my startup and now I get into all the best clubs in the city. <laughs> you will not keep me from my treats. <laughs> but also remember that, like, um, anyone can get terminated for anything within the first six months of them working at oh, the company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probate size. Great. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, so the only rule is there are no rules. German <laughs> 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 employment law. <laughs> and so basically what was super important at this General Assembly is to exclude those people that may have identified those workers for speaking out, raising their voices, mm. or identifying themselves as problem workers from getting fired. So it was it was a, a, a desperate means to protect other workers. I mean, 75% of, of us were in our probation period. And it's also worth saying that... Um, Gorillas has a six months probation period. That's the legal maximum that you're allowed in Germany. Yeah. That's not uh, the the gorillas lawyer once told us that that was the law in Germany. He was being uh, fishy, uh, as slimy <laughs> as usual. I, I don't want to be libelous and say uh, my true feelings about him, but he was being slimy <laughs> in that moment. Luckily, someone pipes up and said, ah, "No, sorry, that's the legal maximum that you're allowed." So yeah, 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 there's really no excuse for that, in my opinion. That's like. That's kind of normal in Germany for something that's like full time, like for unlimited contract kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, for something that provides that. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth clarifying. I know we're gonna get into that later. But you're all hired on twelve month contracts, or well, ex- except no. except yeah, for our, our colleague here who yeah. just won a court case. Yeah. Um, but normally well, only twelve months. But that's like that's the insanity of it of exactly. just like. Yeah, yeah. 12 months where like for half of that there are no rules exactly. <laughs> and also it gets even worse because there's a, a sizable portion of the workforce who are people who are on working holiday visas uh, who due to the treaties that the countries have with each other they can only work with the same employer for six months which means that for their entire duration of their contract they are always yeah. always you know yeah. and <laughs> it's it's uh, evidently something that uh the, the company knew all along, so of course. That, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. But I mean, it benefits them in so many ways because, uh, you know, they have a completely 
a, a workforce that they can just disperse of and just terminate at the drop of a hat. And, you know, we even... We even had someone quite sizable from management say quite openly in a meeting um, that they wouldn't, they couldn't provide unlimited contracts because um, it would cause too many problems with the investors. The investors don't want that. No, investors. no, <laughs> you will never be allowed to talk to them either. <laughs> this is the no, black no, no, box no, 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 that no. says things. Um, yeah, but like that's that's kind of this interesting moment, or it has been since what, like the heart's fear reforms of just like post-war Germany was built on this idea of like. You'll, you'll get a job down at, like, the dentures factory and you'll be employed for life and that will be enough for, like, uh, a German-made car and a house in some sort of, like, commuter town or dorf or whatever. But, like, that is... That as, like, how we're going to run this economy is so ripe for abuse when it's like, and here's gig working. Um, like, because... Yeah, it ain't regulated. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean... Coming from a country there, three months is the normal kind of like probationary period. Uh, six months did seem steep, but again, it's just like once you're in the door with kind of like full-time company man employment, like it makes up for that. But that's not a good system for when you're like... When you're there for a year. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, six months. And you, when you're there for a year... Or at least that's what they're telling you when really you know a lot of people in management are probably like, yeah, but maybe less, though. (laughs) 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 We always retain the right. Uh, Yeah. But it also makes sense to have some sort of probation period when you have some kind of training structure or kind of assessment or something where it's skilled work. But guess what? On your first day of work at Gorillaz, there ain't no training. You know, You're, you're, you're out on the bike. You're doing the job that if the exact same kind of quality of job that someone who's been working there for a year has been doing on your first day there is right. no training there's nothing so yeah yeah because that's like again for the uh, um for the kind of like company man jobs of germany that again this like whole system was designed for there would be assessment there would be training there would be a meeting at the end of six months if you're still there being like and here's the permanent contract blah 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 welcome to volkswagen or whatever but like yeah that's just that's just it being abused. Like, it, it reminds me, just not to, to derail entirely, but, like, to inflate Ireland's unemployment numbers back in the, like, 2008 crisis or, like, make them look better. We had this, like, jobs bridge program, which was, like, you can still collect the dole unemployment benefit, but you will get, like, a training job. And then all the training jobs were, like, waitress. Uh, and, and, like, it was, like, it was not, like, professional, no chance of advancement, um, be, like literally employers were on record as saying well I was going to put up a regular job ad but then I just took advantage of this kind of like loophole like they'll, they'll always do this but this is this is the future isn't it really unless we're very careful like the idea of there's a lot of people in the UK who unfortunately now are in the cabinet um, who talk about uh, it's the, the worst phrase that flexible workforce yeah. It makes me feel sick thinking about it. I mean, they inflate, like you say, the employment numbers by these means as well. It's uh, especially fucking Dominic Rob. When you when you hear the term flexible workforce, they uh, imagine that more like we want to contort your body into weird spaces. Yeah, that's, that's and really things you wouldn't it. otherwise do. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything else on the elections uh, you wanted to share? Because I want to go back to like like before or maybe on the eve of the again your big your the moment you made it as a, as a workers collective you like, would make it as the like on the eve of that 
excuse, excuse me if this is too uh, or it's, if this it's a little is, cheesy. If this is too <laughs> pointed, but like it seems mostly self-selected. Is that a fair assessment of like you all were like, oh, I'm going to I'm motivated to participate in something political like this. But I, please, uh, what what I, is the alternative? Like how how much was it spreading within the company? Um, I don't know. It's a it's it's. I didn't phrase the question very I, I well. Think that, <laughs> I, I think there was a concern that we were going to lose that election, but we showed up and uh, there wasn't really any rivals. So in that okay. sense, yeah. What do you mean rivals? For I mean, the other people in the company knew there was a general assembly occurring, but uh -huh. the the company or the company-friendly people didn't bother to form an organization like ours. So, yeah, we won by a sort of uh, default landslide, I guess. But wait, so... Oh. Uh, did, did you mean something uh, also related to maybe how much of the workforce you're actually representing? Or like yeah, yeah. So, like, are there many people maybe on the like a wait and see? Let's see if these people are actually gonna do something. I really want to join, but I'm I'm scared to, or I don't care, or they're really annoying. I hate them. Uh, you, you mean like within the workforce in general? In general, like across right now among the writers. No, no, June. back then on the eve of. Mm, back. I maybe mean, we can check in. Uh, maybe it's hard to remember, but uh, I want to check in <laughs> before we get any further. I mean, I think there was definitely a element of self-selection, like you said, and I think that that has been a problem throughout the whole process. To be honest. Um, And I, even though we've tried hard to reach a lot of workers for various reasons, which I'm sure we'll go into, like it, it has been difficult. But there was some workers that came forward and it was so nice and so beautiful. They were people that we had never met before, had never had any kind of interaction with and stood up in front of however many hundred people it was and said, I want to be involved in this process. And I, yeah, put me forward as a candidate. I want to I want to do this. You know, I've experienced X, Y, and Z, and I'm fed up with this, and I and I I want to change things. So that was like a, the pinnacle of, of the beautiful moments of how this process should work, and how like what happens when it does work, and when you reach people successfully, and people have the confidence to come forward and say that they want to be part of it. Yeah, I mean that was wonderful. I, I guess like one of the problems with the like you say the self selection thing is that for a lot of people. This job is just kind of a waiting room, like especially during the pandemic. There was people who would normally do all sorts of other jobs, working as riders, um, like people with like master's degrees and stuff. Like you know, they normally in in other times they would be doing different things, but uh, temporarily they were doing this kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's difficult to uh, get people to care about the long term of this job, even though there's like thousands of people working in this company. The the turnover rate is just quite high because of because of that waiting room kind of bias like uh, yeah but also to add to that uh, it's also maybe in my own experience uh, I think the fact of getting involved with such an organization and getting you know yeah involved with trying to change your work conditions it's something that has provided maybe a motivation to still stay in the company I personally and I think that's the case of most people in the collective wasn't planning on staying for Gorillas for that long but then I was like well at least maybe I can exercise some kind of influence here Uh, so I will do it, you know, why not? Um, so maybe, yeah, it does have to do also with how politically motivated you are before, because I think also whatever is happening in the collective or wh whatever we're doing with it, yes, we're advocating for, you know, better working conditions, but it, we're not just workers, you know, we're also, 
it's a very diverse pool of people and we have very diverse claims too and and uh, the way i see the collective is as a space that we can create to also advance those other claims you know we just happen to be all writers you know but we're not just that what about active hostility because not to where like <laughs> i was just i was again as a as a uh, who as a <laughs> As a as a by you know I don't know their names but I uh, going to some of the strikes there were some fights going on between the I mean it seems like for example uh, one dynamic was workers collective called a strike and many of them aren't uh, don't work at one warehouse and the people at the warehouse are like get out of the way I'm I'm mad at you I'm annoyed that, if, if I may that 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 did happen uh, in some occasions. Perhaps not to like a gigantic extent or in like a really like aggressive way, but um, I do remember it happening the second and also at least I heard an anecdote of it happening the third day of the second wave of the strikes, so the ones that took place in the second week of June. Um, the second day it took place in Prince Lauerberg. I did see someone uh, like pushing some other people. Uh, someone who was inside the warehouse wanted to work. We were blocking it standing outside and this person just went like Bwah! and uh, <laughs> and yeah we all responded like yo what the fuck are you doing like chill the fuck down uh but that was like a really like minor case of it or like a small instance of it happening um and how to say it so to like go back to your question or to, to your comment uh the first day, so the Wednesday of that of that week, the second week of June, it was it wasn't the collective who organized the strike or the what set off the spark or whatever. Uh, it was the workers themselves or our colleagues, our coworkers from from the uh, Checkpoint Charlie warehouse who did it, and then word spread. And I was chilling at a park at like three o'clock in the afternoon, saw a message like, yo, Checkpoint Charlie's on fire or something. I was like, ah, shit. And so I like ran. Fire emoji. <laughs> yeah, so I like, yeah. And then I went like, it's <laughs> like <laughs> horn hand emoji or whatever the fuck this is called. <laughs> Gnarly. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I just went over there and we all kind of like supported something that was already happening and that was self-organized. And the following days, it was it was rather the other thing that you mentioned. It was rather the collective going to a specific place and um, calling the strike or organizing the strike or then doing the blockade or et cetera. Um, that that was also like a a um, saucy um, issue or like a uh, controversial issue within the collective of like should it be us doing the strike? Should it be more like promoting worker self organization? Uh, should it be which, like which one of these two? It's a, and how to solve it? Uh, can they be the same thing? It, it, all all this. Do you have anything on the dynamic? Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine that's just ongoing since then, in the months since. I think I think also just to kind of build on what you were saying, I think that there was a big split within the collective on different opinions. Um, but I think it's healthy also to have different opinions. Um, but also, I think it was it's interesting or it's it's important to note on maybe why there was hostility from workers about these strikes and kind of trying to understand their hesitation or hostility towards that. Um, I think, I think there's a myriad of reasons why people didn't feel or some people didn't feel like striking was the answer, you know, like maybe out of fear of losing their job or feeling like, because we have workers from, it's super international, you know, and if you haven't, 
had experience or kind of familiar with the kind of concept of striking or standing up against your employer um, or kind of like an authority figure. Um, I think people weren't particularly comfortable with that. Or sort of coming back to the original point of um, having new workers as well and feeling like they actually like the company as well and that you're you're being obstructive in, in their working day. You know, you're, you're getting in the way of them doing a good job and that's what they want to do and they enjoy working for the company. Um, so I think... Yeah, we were we were split about the strikes, but I think it's important to understand and to kind of empathise with those workers that didn't feel like the strikes represented them. And I think that there's so many factors in why that they didn't feel like the strikes represented them or that's what they wanted. I think it's important to say also, you asked about hostility, like the vast, vast majority of the hostility has come from the management who are terrified of giving up even a a little bit of their power to the workers beneath them. Of the power that they so incompetently hold. Yeah. <laughs> Good now. <laughs> but I, I I think it's worth pointing out that like a, a great deal of a lot of how this city is changing and a lot of other German cities is changing does kind of... Uh, there are definitely people who will take advantage of... Uh, or at least make the assumption that immigrants will not know what the local rules are. Um, like, from my own personal experience, I definitely did get ripped off with my apartment. Uh, because, like, ah, he speaks English, he doesn't know that we're overcharging him. Um, and then we're probably... Where are you from? Ireland? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is actually three grand a month. Oh, that's a deal. Um, but, like, yeah, that's... Um, but then, yeah, they were they were definitely very surprised to get the like letter from the tenants union. Um, but like that that does happen, and like even relatively well-meaning Germans kind of do think that like, oh, you don't speak German or you're not German, you will not know the what rules. a fucking betriebsrat is. Exactly, yeah. I really do think we should probably specify though. <laughs> workers' council. That's what you have translate. But, okay, cool. but also like, sorry to interrupt you, but even like the perception of the necessity of such a thing, because you know a lot of people, myself included, from come from countries where the minimum wage is five times. Uh, sorry, not five times, uh, a fifth of what it is here. Mm. So it's like, okay, you're working for like very shitty job, the minimum wage, but still, I'm making the same money that an engineer would make in a nice job in Chile. So it's like a lot of people are like, uh, well, I'm not gonna complain about it and i feel like uh fighting that is yeah. it's quite difficult it just becomes easier i guess whenever the precarious conditions become very obvious and that's usually when uh people's physical integrity is compromised yeah i mean yeah. but that like that's always the kind of like function of immigrants within like capitalist societies of just like um like, I did get ripped off of my apartment, but it was still a lot better than anything I could have gotten in Ireland. And that is the reason I moved to the city, is I couldn't afford anywhere back home. But, like, there is this also this level of, like, no, you'll be grateful with what you get. You will not get as good enough as the native Germans or whatever, but, like, you should be grateful for this. Because you're right, that is. But, like, that's still kind of, like, they're kind of hoping you will take that kind of, like, quasi-middle position of, like, not being the same as your German co-workers. But I think you're right, like that people maybe start to question it when you were saying that they're mm. kind of, what were you saying? Your physical kind of in integrity, integrity. Yeah, Absolutely, kind of gets yeah, challenged. Yeah. And, and that does happen, you know, like, especially with the full-time riders or the full-time workers in the warehouses, you know, like I can list off people that have had hernias. They've, you know, had slip discs in their back. They're <sighs> in intensive care because they've fallen off the bike, you know, like broken bones, like 
constant um, disfigurements, you know, mm. because of this job or like um, psychological impact as well. And I think maybe that's where the kind of penny drops and they're thinking, actually, do you know what? Shit, this isn't worth it for 10 euros 50 an hour, actually. And maybe this isn't the best job in the world anymore. Uh, when when those things happen and also um, when people don't get paid, yeah. that's also the tipping yeah. point. That's a big one. If anyone wants a good laugh but also a depressing read, there is a Gorilla's <laughs> Workers meme account on Instagram. Is it still there? Uh, crisis management? I think. No. Gorilla's, gorilla's, gorilla's it, it, Rider Life. It might be gone. Oh, oh Gorilla's gone. Rider's Life. Yeah, they, they they got all their accounts taken down one by one, but now right. they've all been reinstated, I believe. But, but, but now... They've decided to leave the meme phase in ah, the past. Yes. Yeah, the really difficult second album. Sadly, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's Sergeant Pepper's moment. So, what is their thing now? Like, huh? What is their thing now? Well, I think now they they become like some sort of cultural matrix for uh, <laughs> for for the writer community of Berlin. Oh, I love that club. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and it now is a falafel restaurant. So, <laughs> I'm sorry but to I, inform you. <laughs> but I did. I did know. Uh, um, I, there's some journalists that I follow and pay attention and they were actually just becoming aware of how like shitty the situation was because there was just like a meme of just like acting like you got paid when you didn't and like <laughs> shit like that and it was like oh that's kind of funny but also really sad and fucked up it was someone uh, someone had retweeted a tweet from someone was it someone in management or someone anyway from the company saying that you couldn't even like <laughs> lol sorry you can't even buy a falafel with this month's wage because some riders or some sorry i should say just general workers um were paid pittance you know nine like, cents yeah under a euro person. yeah yeah and and this is the thing and you're right it so is about yeah <laughs> <laughs> and like um, I mean, I'm sure we've mentioned before, like, uh, you come to work to be paid. And the thing is, like... <laughs> when Radical new idea. <laughs> when crazy lefties at it again. It's been happening for a while now. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of when that basic contractual um, agreement is not met, I think you start to kind of be a bit peeved and kind of, um, yeah... Yeah, I mean, in the past, I've been quite lucky among Gorilla's workers and I've normally been paid all right, but this month I got fucked over and it's taken up a lot of my emotional bandwidth at the moment, thinking about how pissed off I am that I'm coming to the end of my money already and it's early in the month. Yeah, it sucks ass. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks ass, I mean it. Um... In the bad way, <laughs> but actually, I, by the by the way, sorry, I think uh, that's why many times at the end of the month, like payday, is kind of like a good time for us to recruit new people because mm. that's when everybody's freshly angry. Right. You know, every fucking month I've been working this company for more than a year, and at the beginning. They got away with it with like, oh, we're a startup. You know, you guys cut us some slack. We're Come fucking on. up. We're a family, <laughs> you guys. Whoops. And it's like, okay, fine. First month, second month. Come on. Like, you've been doing this like systematically and... Where's the fucking money, Lebowski? <laughs> I, I fucking love when these companies say we're a family. I love being fired by my dad. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? We mentioned the the strike, as you said, Diego, that just that popped off at, at Charlie and, and a few subsequent strikes. Um, and the, uh, the, the meteoric rise 
of the workers collective in i think maybe the like berlin left even the german left maybe beyond you you became like important figures if not like for any influence you wield you know across politics but just as like a sign i think a lot of people you know when they're reading the news they want to you know they want some good stories they want to be like oh okay there's like something good going on something to believe in and that's um that exists i think you know kind of mediated online people you know people love yeah commenting negative like yelling at gorillas or giving them one-star reviews on google that's also in person i know a lot of orgs have reached out to you in groups and you know they just want to help or how do they help i know this is like a huge topic and it basically is like okay what is the future of this workers collective or what role does it have beyond specifically making sure people get paid on time you know there's safety for riders and 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 pickers and everything I don't know if you want to start somewhere or I can just throw something out but like what is the role like what how how does it feel to like to be in you this can position go first. I no, think I'm, we have I'm, very I'm, different opinions about what the role <laughs> is so I was, I was going to ask if the concrete question was uh, what is the future of this thing that we're doing or that's one of the concrete questions That's one of them okay you want to start there No okay okay that <laughs> <laughs> pick a different one <laughs> Uh, How does it feel to be a meme? I could put it that way. Shit. <laughs> I mean, we've only been memefied by the uh, by Gorilla's Rider Life, as mm. far as I know, uh, and they did a pretty good and they pretty they did a pretty good job. Depends what you mean by meme, because meme in the original sense that Richard Dawkins meant like a cultural yes um, sign that's being like regurgitated mm, over exactly. and over. Exactly. Yeah, it, we it already over time went culturally. Um, in, in that sense, it's pretty exciting to be a meme, no? <laughs> love to be regurgitated. Regu how, how do you say that? Damn it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Uh. No, it's fine. Uh, uh, um, it's, like, it's so weird that that's Richard Dawkins' legacy. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, don't read anything else he's done. Uh, it's bad. I disagree with that. <laughs> the selfish gene is a difficult but wonderful book interesting yeah well, i will have a conversation afterwards but <laughs> yeah i'm sorry it's not relevant <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah it, it, it's super interesting I, I i just wanted to add that like i have my little bit of experience was uh working with like the iww in the uk before they became iwgb uh, and one of the things they were trying to do was deliver uh, riders and stuff. And it was amazing back in like, this would have been 2015, how no one in the public was really open to the idea of that kind of workforce being unionized or like organized in any way. Because like, I, I think one thing that I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like there is world, this is also happening kind of in this moment of like a bit of tech backlash of just like we're not really in that like 2015 was definitely the tail end of it of just like tech will save us tech is the future it's all shiny there's a new app every so often it's all kind of cutesy and fun before we all kind of like i do think there was a bit of a panic over like uh, um was that oxford something 2016 in the cambridge analytica that was it but it's was still like a sign of something like much more horrid um I think the coup in uh, uh, Myanmar is probably a better example of Facebook being evil. Um, but like that sheen of tech companies has gone because it's very interesting. You you guys have mentioned that like people are now aware that management of gorillas are not good. But I, I think from my perspective as someone who's like 
kind of clued into tech in this country. There was no opinion of them being good. They were just like, that's the management of gorillas to the management of gorillas is kind of shit. Like, there was no like positive moment. They weren't idolized the same way like tech leaders were maybe before even a couple of years ago. And I'm just kind of curious if you feel like that's played a part in maybe how well you've been received. I mean, I, I'm I'm under the impression that the CEO did try to like create a positive image of himself. Yeah. They all do, they all tried, but but it, but it failed. Yeah. It it really backfired. It's too much macho energy in there. Yeah. It's not the times for that. Be the be the flame. Be the ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> we can talk about the weird pickup artistry letter that he, he released. Yeah, let's talk about the corporate psychosis at some point <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, like I I think every tech leader is still trying to live like it was 2012, 2013 or whatever, when they were all very happy to do their TEDx speech and stuff. And, um, but like, it, it's super interesting how quickly that's fallen. Like I have more followers on Twitter than he does. Like that's like unheard of. <laughs> like that shouldn't happen. Um, but yeah. But also remember that he doesn't actually have that much power or that much control over the company anyway, because it's it's Investors. how much percent does is he in control of? Uh, less than twenty percent. If uh, from the last thing I heard, oh, interesting. Um, this person who will remain unnamed uh, <laughs> <laughs> owns less than twenty percent of the company that he created or co-created, and I think uh, I don't know like what type of ownership um is used by the company now but mm. uh but at least uh, the majority of it is now owned by the big investors most of which as far as i'm concerned and as far as i've known are chinese yeah, Tencent. yeah. i think delivery hero though is yes. involved in that which is a german i mean it's also i think same similar owners to then liferando but uh, and really sure. oh, the, the other secret motivation of startups that startup leaders will never tell you the real goal is to be bought by a competitor yeah that's yeah. what they're trying to do i mean that's what it looks like really and um, are the investors the same for the competitors as well for example for flink Tier, la, might la, la. be the shared ones uh some months ago i i did some research on that but i have unfortunately forgotten all the mm. names <laughs> but i i i realized that there was one that was shared um but it wasn't like a major one. I think the the major ones for gorillas are uh, I I don't want to fuck up the names. Atlantic Foods, something like this. That was okay. like the first big one, and then Tencent from China. Sure. And now Delivery Hero, who also owns, if I'm not mistaken, Liferando, and yeah. also Food Panda, um, and also owns other uh, um, delivery companies that operate only in China, and whose names I do not know probably can't pronounce (laughs) but that that have you know like two million riders hire this kind of stuff yeah a small company in china huh yeah (laughs) indeed indeed (laughs) and and yeah that they've also been partly responsible for the there's been like a gigantic case over there or like gigantic i don't know like how big at least it has resonated somewhat over here of like a a rider who was also organizing riders over there like apart from the from the uh, official and unique channels of worker or uh, like state-approved worker organization, and he was what, what a phrase? <laughs> he was uh, he was uh, imprisoned and is now disappeared. No one knows where he's. Oh, fun. Yep. Um, but but that's like that's for anyone who pays attention to like 
tech and stuff like that that's, that or startups because they should separate the two that's not surprising it's the, the, it's vying for monopoly it's hedging their bets yeah the rider universe yes <laughs> the extended rider universe I, I i had a rumor that um our dear leader the ceo was um there was an investor who wanted to invest but only on the condition that he was out because he's so toxic which which sounds beautiful to me because I I fucking hate the guy. Be the ghost. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we really you couldn't fire a ghost, could you? Can't strangle Have a, a fire. Ghost. <laughs> but then we, you know, it sounds good. But then we're just going to replace one kind of gray sludge with another kind of gray sludge. For sure. Did you watch a Squid Game in your view? It's just like yeah. because of the the VIPs for me. It's like mm. the best cartoon for the investors. Like this really ridiculous, you know bunch of people anyways <laughs> uh, to share the reference absolutely and like again speaking of just like weird over financialized tech startup stuff like that's 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 a common demand of like the sh- investors of any company elon musk is headed up mm. but like you can look into anyone that's replaced elon musk in the companies he's been replaced in and it's, they're not like good yeah, guys <laughs> maybe a little less toxic on social media but yeah, well, yeah probably more dangerous but not, though but not less toxic in like the work email probably uh, i wanted to come back to to your question about what the future is i i don't have the answer for it <laughs> but you maybe just want to like maybe like share some perspectives on because i would really like to hear also what, what what you people have to say about it because i think one of the beauties at least in my opinion of the collective that uh, we're part of is that we all have very different or well, kind of different objectives on our political organizing. You know, like what unites us, uh, as I said before, is that we're writers, we're workers, we want to improve working conditions, but also it's not just that, you know. And for me, um, what I'm trying to do with this is to to be part of a group and to contribute to a group that can help maybe radicalize people, get people more politicized into a whole host of different topics too because it provides a space for discussion and for empowerment of people. And I'm kind of hoping because I don't really I don't really think Gorillas is going to exist anymore in the next two or three years. But I think that whatever drive we created with this movement will still exist. And uh, for me, that's really what I'm trying to do with all of this beyond the very specific, you know, things that we want to achieve like the Betripsrad and whatever, you know. It's like, and, like giving people really the feeling that we can change our material conditions if we act together because we actually can. Especially in a country like Germany where there are luckily a little bit more laws for us that can protect us and can pay us for doing this actually so yeah i agree a lot actually <laughs> i mean i don't i don't know if if you had the impression that that i was going to disagree i i felt that for a second but <laughs> I, I wanted you to disagree yeah <laughs> and say what <laughs> i don't know so, sorry we need Fuck to uh, just for the podcast just for content we need to take that again can you call him a bitch and <laughs> <laughs> throw a glass like a, we can give you a martini to throw in his face i won't say you're uh, you say you're here to win not make friends <laughs> to, to, to be fair though i think as as, as a cross section of the collective i think we're probably closest together in 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 that question than than the general collective like you know i I think this uh we we should be a sort of microcosm of what we want to produce in greater society and you know the real revolution is the friends you make along the way like i really believe in that like and i I love all of you (laughs) diego is touching uh Mm. joseph's shoulder for this this (laughs) (laughs) gotta (laughs) gotta do it for the homies um i agree with you um 
Bud. 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 No. That sounded difficult. It was like you were you were struggling a little bit to say that. Like, I. No, no, no. I do. I do agree with you. But um, I think like um. Because I feel like I feel like your your goal is a is a very it's a clear kind of political one and like I kind of come maybe from a background or or like my previous experiences uh, this is my first ever kind of like political awakening or whatever and I kind of came from it very much and it's gonna maybe sound a bit like cringe but maybe from a place of like um, more kind of like feeling and connecting with people and like feeling That's like not cringe at all no or oh, maybe great. and yeah and kind of feeling like um don't know yeah seeing seeing my colleagues and my friends having a bad time and wanting that not to be the case and and so I kind of don't think I have that much of a political drive and so maybe when also when you're talking about um like um becoming what what was the phrase that you used like uh the left uh the left darlings sweethearts yeah and so I kind of feel more kind of estranged or alienated from that because that's not really my interest or where I'm sort of was originally interested in although I have been kind of catapulted into this kind of environment of of politics which is really interesting and and I'm super grateful of what it's offered me in terms of my own personal education um but yeah so I think in terms of our goals maybe that's maybe where we differ slightly in that I'm not so politically orientated in kind of building a, a kind of a drive or like a momentum or whatever like that's not really where it kind of resonates with me and and this is kind of what I find really difficult in this process is that because we have been yes yeah, spiraled into this kind of tornado of these kinds of issues and like being adopted by these particular groups and and being maybe objectified or, or whatever the word is mythologized mythologized yeah used used <laughs> quite basically exactly what, and what, would, would you want to elaborate on that Diego we will just <laughs> okay. in, in, in just a second um and then i think we've lost the roots of actually connecting with people in our workers and i think this is a really big problem like um you know in in all of this kind of debate and discussion and and whatever that's been going on in terms of like politics and movement and um we've become estranged from where we began and the why you know from improving things and connecting with people and helping others and that comes from connection and like Kind of basically like love. Who can follow? <laughs> well, I mean, bo- both of your, your 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 projects are both motivated primarily by love. Yeah. Um, it's just that you coming from a political, a non-political, apolitical background that you you don't project it into the the the, the bigger space. I think that's the the main difference, I guess. Just want to add a little thing because I think I, it's it's definitely that like, uh, but because I I want more love to be in and that's why I think we need to become more radicalized because we need to stop othering others you know and I think creating spaces like this it's uh, uh for me it's also my first political involvement actively I mean I was politically minded before but I was just talking about it but now it's like I can actually you know have some kind of influence and then I guess yeah we have been roped into this thing and then it's like whoa actually. Maybe we can create weave networks, you know, that can have some kind of impact. But I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I do feel sometimes that we are in this big kind of mythologized, you know, scene. But then I think, what did we actually achieve so far? I don't really know if we have achieved anything. I think there is at least one 
mildly significant achievement, uh, which is uh, having, well, of course, like forming the collective and all the relationships that have like been created through that. That has uh, that that is definitely something. But more in like the public sphere um, or in the things that go beyond us. Um, I for I mean I I can't speak you know fucking German at all or anything, but. <laughs> I, I have paid some sort of attention to what's being discussed um, thanks to or because of what we've been doing uh, or have been trying to do. And at least all I think there is some sort of like mild, small public debate uh, happening uh, on striking and on what the strikes are supposed to be, what they're not supposed to be, how they're supposed to happen, etc. All this shit. And related to that, like the the utility or the uh, uselessness of unions and of political groups in that. So I think there is something. I mean, this kind of like sparked uh, some sort of discussion uh, in in the in like the left scene, left milieu, etc., on strikes, on what are workers able to do or not able to do, uh, how they should be able or how we should be able to do it and how all those things are supposed to happen um in the context of like the, the pre-existing institutions if they if these actions are supposed to happen in in the framework created by these institutions or should they go beyond or etc i think that's something that we've like m- kind of contributed to i don't want to say that we created the whole discussion around it but i think we like brought it to light again um at least it was something that I, I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't like in my radar like three years ago when I arrived and in the following months. So it's a minor thing. It's a minor achievement, but it's, I would say it's something. And if it contributes to changing uh, what the proletariat <laughs> is able to do uh, without getting, you know, jail time <laughs> in, the, in the near future, um, I think, I, I mean, I, I would consider that an achievement a small one but yeah yeah um the way maybe one way to see it is that the workers collective has two everyone wants to spread love that's 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 not, what not, i got not not, not everyone not everyone, everyone. <laughs> shouldn't shouldn't make I, sure. I, I, know a couple of people. I, I was also about to say like it's too late for love <laughs> <laughs> we are the, the love delegation here but, but like this, 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 <laughs> is the, this is the love delegation there's maybe here. two <laughs> what's the right now there's two buttons you can press or two not paths to go down because they're. I think they're on the same path. But two moves you have, which is that you represent that the collective represents workers at this company, and it advocates for more workers' power, worker autonomy, worker self-control, a decent, you know, being paid on time, all the basics. And on the other hand, the workers' collective also has a political role in the sense that it can reach people, in the sense that. Um, it inspires people in the sense that it, you people want to work with you to do something. Stuff. I mean, and so what's the is there a contradiction between those two? Can you only pick one or the other? How do they feed or feed each other or not? That's the that's the question. It seems like to me. Many 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 hands being raised here. <laughs> <Can> I, <laughs> um, I don't think they contradict each other. I don't think they should either. I mean, uh, I think the collective 
well, it's a collective and as such it's plural and very diverse. And that, that means that we can have many fronts of action. And one of them is, you know, doing the Betibsrad and whatever, all this more technical stuff that we want to achieve. And that is one arm of whatever we're doing. But at the same time, as you said, the collective is also a political group. And as such, we have been, I don't know, received invitations to take part in certain, I don't know, conferences or forums and things like that. And um, I, I, me personally, and I think this also comes down to whatever the intentions of each person in the collective is. But for me, that is a very good opportunity to also create these connections that I was talking about before. I mean, recently, uh, last week, I was invited to go to, I mean, not me, I, w I went to, <laughs> sorry, I went to Brussels. You personally. In representation <laughs> of the collective with another comrade um, to meet uh, with a bunch of other organizers uh, from around the world in the platform sector. And that was, the whole point was to go and talk to the European commissioner to push Europe to make more laws or better laws to actually give employment status for writers, which we already have. So for me, that wasn't a big gain on that perspective, but the big gain was to meet this whole bunch of people who are doing the same thing that we're doing, and they have been doing it for so long, and there's so much to learn from that. And I was so surprised also to hear that they were so inspired by why, what we were doing. And I was like, what? I don't even know what we're doing, but it's good that you're inspired, you know? And they, they're also making their strikes and doing a lot of things. So... For me, that's also a good thing out of all of this, actually. It's, a, it's an achievement, actually. Yeah, I would say so. And I, I, I like what you were saying there about um, the achievements. And it, for me, like, yeah, if there's two things that I would like to achieve out of this. Well, the, the, the Workers' Council is one, certainly. So maybe three things. The other two would be uh, the, the striking rights, as you mentioned. Like, you know, the fact that these precedents were set by a fucking Nazi judge in the 50s. That's unacceptable, and we should challenge that. And the other one is the fact that the unions in this country are completely asleep. And uh, our experiences with the unions, I don't want to upset any uh, political secretaries who might be listening at this moment. Um, but we, we have, it's been an enormous drain on our time and resources uh, for, for a few months now. And they don't, for them, I feel like it's a, a contradiction for them to help self-organized workers because to help self-organized workers would uh, negate their own position because they want to organize the workers. I'm using inverted commas there. Like they, they, they've said that to us, like they want to organize us. We, we want to organize ourselves with their help, but for them to help us would be to negate their own position. So. And again, it comes back to that kind of like the media dominance and the kind of the being adopted by the left as well, being instrumentalized. Like, I think our experience is that we feel like we have also been instrumentalized by some said unions as well, which is really surprising because you expect that they would be on your side and have your back and, and, and help you. Um, but we found it extremely draining and difficult process, actually. It's the uh, it's unfortunately the double edged sword of what you were talking about of just like there's more laws here in Germany that you can actually take advantage of but like Germany since the end of World War Two kind of had like built a society where unions have a role and therefore they're kind of like become institutionalized and it, it, it's it's worth pointing out that most some of the most radical union action we've seen in the last five ten years have come from countries that like had unions completely like destroyed where there was no role in the society for them rather than like the german nordic even italian tactic of like unions have a role but they like become institutionalized they become 
agents of the status quo to an extent. Well, the the role here is quite obvious: is to domesticate the struggles of the proletariat. That I mean, not to like overstate it or anything, but it's <laughs> that's what it is, you know. And I, I think it was just like quite evident in in this case. Uh, we're doing something on our own, and as Joseph just pointed out a, a minute ago, they immediately like came and were like we want to organize you and that's again that's i don't think that's what they would be like i don't know it it just it wasn't what i was expecting from them but then again what was i expecting from them <laughs> not <I> mean, much <laughs> nothing <laughs> uh, so what organizations if any aren't uh, what's the word you use? Domesticating the proletariat. <laughs> um, I think. I think. Or you wanted to go ahead. No, or, I go. Please go. Um, I would draw a difference between like domesticating or or wanting to domesticate, which is the r- goal of a really big a union. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and name it just Verdi. Um, yeah um fau hasn't done that um with us and they've been like way more um like considerate and supportive uh i would say and like way more understanding like okay they want to do their own shit you know just kind of help how they want us to help them uh which is something that verdi hasn't done um and they're more like, we're going to help you in the only way that we know how to help workers, which is um, by basically <laughs> ripping their will <laughs> off from them. So, um, or trying to at least. Um, so, those are two unions that we've been in touch with. Engage uh, at the beginning, yes, but it was also, I think, more on like a personal level. It was rather someone from Engage who was helping us out and not so much like Engage as the union, Engage. Um, and then there's there's uh, like some pieces of the mosaic of the, of the, the local left scene that have also been interested in what uh, we've been doing. Classic um, and Classic, which is. I don't know exactly like how this works, but a lot of the people who partake in Clásica and Clase also form part of a political organization called Rio, like Revolutionary Internationalist Organization, I believe, which is like an adherent. Well, you both know this way better than I do. We were there. Because you both are Trotskyists. Uh, we're, we're, we're not. We're not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they most of them form part of this, of this organization, which at the same time or... I don't know how to say how to express this in English, but they also form part of the one of the many fourth internationals that exist now. I don't know how many they exist now. I, I thought mean, that was the one. There's there's only they one. They sold it as the one. Uh, well, a- every Trotskyist organization will sell its own fourth international as the only one. The fourth so. international was the most important one. I no beg one to the cares fair. about the ones that came after. <laughs> but, but the first three, you mean? Or <laughs> I should also clarify at that moment after contradicting you on the international question that I'm not a Trotskyist. <laughs> I think I'm an anarchist. I mean, I guess they are. I, I I like to think of them as allies, as any other group organized in the left that is not, uh, I guess, discriminating. 
uh, you know, uh, and of course there are many discussions that we can we we have on on the way of getting to that kind of alliance. But I think Trotskyism works in some ways, but it's also problematic in other ones. Well, does you, it? You use the word ally, and I think that that's the crux of the issue, whether it's a union or a party or mm. a group of people online. Everyone wants to be an ally to the cause. So, what can allies do? But also, why do they want to be our ally and not an ally for other struggles as well? Is is another question, you know, like quite a valid question. There is a lot of other struggles, like I'm not comparatively or anything, but it hasn't got as much media attention. Why? Why us? I can I can say one quick thing. If if someone out there who's listening <laughs> wants to help out, you know, the precarious worker in this city, um fucking do something for like helping workers they receive no fucking attention whatsoever they're like thoroughly like i don't want to say like disorganized but i mean they they perform work on like a solo basis they never meet i did helping work for like half a year eight eight months something of the sorts and i never met any other person who did it um so it's it's a job that is like really in which it's really hard to organize to like form like a political base or group or etc i don't know if there's one that exists right now i don't think so so if you want to do something for again the precarious worker in the city um try to do something for them like reach out to them write them i don't know um create some fucking stickers post them on the s band <laughs> saying like hey you work for helping reach out to us i don't know something of the sorts that would be way more helpful i believe right now than than trying to do something with us or, or for us or et cetera. Um. To add to that, uh, just as a general principle, I think when you want to help someone, you just have to ask, what do you need? And I think that's something that some organizations feel like doing because they assume they know what we need. And that's a very you know, <coughs> paternalistic and patriarchal way of doing things. Uh, and that's what FAO didn't do, I feel. I mean, of course, every organization has their own agenda. I mean, I wouldn't expect them not to but there are different ways to approach you with it you know uh so yeah i think it's just like if they really want to you know support us write us and ask us like how can they help and then we can tell them and i think that principle really works with just in all situations anyways we we didn't answer the the question of why do they want to help gorillas like why are they coming to gorillas rather than something else that's happening that might be more I worthwhile. That's a question for us. No, sorry, that was, was a question Anna posed. Yeah. Um, While I was peeing. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it, it's... I mean, cynically, I would say that, like, like we said, you're the darlings of the left. You've, you've popped off. You've grabbed a lot of attention from in a way that other movements haven't, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate. Um, for them, not necessarily yourselves, but like that's the only really thing I can think of. I mean, I, I'm going to say if I if I was like Verdi or Vendi is a like different thing, but like FAU or uh, uh, these groups that are maybe more trying to be like voices of the left or like so like what you could call like socialist clearing houses of just like everyone come in here, uh, uh, kind of thing are given the opportunity will reach out to everyone they think is doing something good. Um, the yellow unions are maybe a bit more, like you said, paternalistic and will kind of come in and be like, here's how you do shit. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I can really think of with that kind of perspective. I mean, the reason I asked the question, and now I'm just talking about myself, but I mean, 
a lot of being, uh, for many people, being a leftist is not just media consumption, but also being on the right team. And so they see a very good, a new player to root for, and you're going to be very good for our team. And I'm just like, you know, ready to cheer for that, you know, get very excited about it. And it's more like, I mean, that as like, that, I mean, that's fundamentally, I mean, apolitical, I think it's, it's not, uh, it's not fostering, um, new possibilities. And I mean, but the only antidote is, you know, you probably work somewhere that needs <laughs> that, that, that could be, that could be better organized. Um, you know, it's like, you, you know, you should be the gorillas workers collective you want to see or whatever it is. <laughs> Like I don't know, I just had a thought, but but correct me if I'm kind of wrong in my thinking. But it, there's some there's there's something in this that there's we've become like a very big talking point within a, a certain kind of like milieu or group of of individuals who tend to be a kind of very left, arguably maybe middle middle class, but that also seems to be kind of the segment of the society or, or whatever here that is also the ones that are kind of ordering and they're they're kind of the exact same group of people you know the ones the ones that are well informed and kind of you know really into our struggle tend to be kind of from the same place of the people the customers of what who we're ordering from just just like a kind of a thought and i don't know if anyone has any i I have some some unrefined thoughts on that uh (laughs) one is that i don't know if there is an overlap between like the customers and the people who talk about the collective or like support it symbolically or on the internet. I don't know if that's the case. Um, even if it was, or even if it were, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame anything on the, on like the consumers. I don't think that this is an issue of like, of like the consumers being assholes. Like everyone is to a certain extent, like consumes from these like fucking horrible companies from Amazon or from, uh, gorillas or from getir or from flink even the workers ourselves um i mean i don't do it <laughs> but i i know of a lot of people who do it you everyone's know, like being I, fucked over somewhere in the supply chain yes yeah yeah it's uh it, I, I don't think that like focusing the problem on on the consumers will take us anywhere um because yeah of course like my my clothes or all the clothes that were done in this room were made by like kids in bangladesh you know it's uh, it's again like not not an issue of like focusing on like on like who consumes and then who consumes what and then noticing this like discrepancy between that and then supporting the 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 collective quick thing i think that that I've, i've heard this from some people that have like reached out to us um the collective like somehow embodied something that people were like expecting or they wanted to see for like a long time. This thing of like, oh, like we haven't seen like a workers movement or like wildcat strikes in so long in the city. I like heard that from at least like five different people while we mm. were doing it. And and like my first reaction was like, fuck off, man, I'm not doing it. Or like no one here is doing it to like please you or like your expectations of what the workers are supposed to do. We're doing it because it's like, the thing that we can do, the the like the mechanism that we have at hand, it's a tool. Um, but I did get the impression that a lot of people had this like expectation or this like dream or fantasy or projection of like mm, workers precarious. Mm, they're supposed to behave in this way and do these things, and it hasn't happened here for forty years, and now it is happening. So that's why I like them, and I fucking hate that. <laughs> I, it really displeases me. It's it's. Uh, I think it's like an attitude that it, it can be seen in some of the political groups that <laughs> have have like reached out to us, and I don't. I really 
don't like it it's it's like borderline fetishistic or fetishizing or whatever the word is sure of like the you know the working class angry workers they're supposed to behave in this way and why aren't they doing the fucking revolution you know like alienated uh <laughs> and now that that they like that they or we or whoever like steps out of that line everyone's like ah oh, yes they're behaving exactly how we want them to behave you know they're doing something and yeah. they're like becoming historical subjects or whatever the fuck and as i said before i really don't like that it uh gives me a weird feeling um i don't know where i wanted to go with this rant I no just... <laughs> I, I like i i would say kind of like 100 percent agree like i said earlier there was this uh, um I, I'm going to admit that I, I'm probably one of those people because, like, I, I was helping a little bit with IWW in the UK with delivery workers. But, like, I think a lot of the people who, as you said, like this kind of group who maybe would be in the like have the means to maybe order from gorillas are possibly the same people who've been thinking for a very long time. This is inevitable for this kind of work. There is going to be a strike at some point from one of these companies, and when it actually happens, they're like, "Fuck, let's go." Um, the other side, I mean, the sim- like stupid simplistic answer I have for like the customer is also being the same person as supporting you is like, I'm getting served the ads. And, like I heard about gorillas around the same time that you guys like went on strike and started like organizing. And like when Charlie happened, I was just like, but I got that ad being like, that seems too much. Like I, I literally saw that app and I was like, that just seems too far for any of these kind of companies like this is this is this is this is too much now um because like i guess it's the same people who like grew up in the world or not grew up but like as aware of like you know uber hello fresh all these other kind of companies that are exploitive in much the same way but then this one comes along and it's just like okay this has to be the breaking point this is this is too far like but then coming back to sort of the consumer and the kind of part they have to play in this like <clears throat> I agree with what you were saying, Diego, about that um, it isn't necessarily the customer or the consumer that is to kind of blame because there's many other factors in this. I mean, there are, of course, there's an element of choice and responsibility. Um, and But obviously it's super convenient. It's quite cheap. It's great. If it, I think there are many cases where it is totally legit to use like a food delivery service. Of course, you know, like uh, you have children, you have a broken leg, you're, uh, you have COVID and you are in isolation. All of these things, which I think is absolutely legitimate. Um, but coming back, like, um, oof, what was I going to say? <laughs> like to saying that the, the, the consumer kind of isn't really, uh, the consumer isn't, yes, there is some responsibility and element of choice, but also maybe it also comes down to their kind of financial means, you know, like, we we were having this discussion the other night that saying that um okay so we choose to fly or we choose to buy cheap clothes um with like or we choose to fly with cheap companies and choose to buy cheap clothes um and maybe the kind of problem isn't so much with the consumer it's to do with the the bigger general problems like maybe their their wage or whatever isn't so much um and so i think it's kind of maybe a, a general problem with society and not necessarily down to that one individual so much the thing that i, I get wanted to add one little thing to that i mean I, I i also agree that we cannot be blaming the consumer i mean that's uh, neoliberalism right putting the blame on the individual all the time but um i'm just thinking about maybe this dissonance and i don't know if this happens between the people who support us and the people then who order and who don't give a shit about the writer mm-hmm. because for me personally when i was writing a lot uh, what really bothered me was not that people were ordering but it was just this kind of like 
a sense of indifference from the customers that they didn't treat you as a person, you know, and like that there's it, respect. And it's uh, it's just like saying hello or thank you, you know. So did, did you ever have the experience where you were giving the bag to the customer and you try and start a conversation, and as you're giving the bag to them, the moment their hand touches the bag, they say goodbye. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. It's tough. So I would expect humanizing. from our supporters at least if they if they order to give a hello, give a good tip, and like give some kind of like. You know, like extend the humanity to Meet the you worker. On the you know, for the like elbow, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's super nice when that happens. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, it's interesting. The list of things that you're talking about of like the acceptable or like the the uh, the genuine reasons you would have for using gorillas rather than going to the shop yourself. And I, like I, I 100% agree. As like as the reason that the most tempted I was by gorillas was just like being a new dad and like. Congrats. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I it was a lot of work for me personally, <laughs> but like, um, and it's really interesting to compare and contrast that with like the people in the room who are from the UK who maybe remembered when like Tesco home delivery started because that was their angle. It was like for pensioners who maybe can't walk to the shop anymore, can't drive anymore, and it's like very specifically notable that that's not what gorillas are trying to do. Not at like, all. Speaking about like consumer angle on this, like no, they have a marketing team that has decided what this company is for. Mm. Um, uh, and maybe there was also business decisions, like management decisions in that, but they're not targeting the infirmed, the elderly, the busy. Like they're just It's like, hip. It's yeah. fresh. It's young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at this monochromatic design. <laughs> Don't you like Bergheim? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, uh, the consumer identity is a pitiful one indeed that we're all forced to have to some degree, but or we're all forced to consume to some degree, but then the identity you're kind of is also maybe foisted upon you and again by this at the aforementioned advertising and i think the uh sometimes in my opinion the political antidote to that is okay but then you support the right things in the right way so all everything's fine and that doesn't actually abolish the consumer identity it's just a palliative on top of it rather than okay but what if we could create yeah, I have to consume things, but my political identity is something through, I don't know, my work or, or whatever it might be, uh, which seems to be the fundamental crux, at least that I see. But now we're getting away from the role of the Workers Collective. I, I want to give you all the last word. Is there anything, any final thoughts? Okay. Any worker out there who's scared of getting fired for organizing? Or um, They should get in touch with us. Yeah, oh, yeah we're fucking busy because uh, we didn't mention we're being sued right now. But um, yeah, if anyone's thinking of setting up a workers' council, then yeah, they should get in touch with us. Maybe give it a few weeks before we can really help because we've got uh, a lot of court cases and elections coming up. But uh, but we can help you out. We can we can definitely uh, give you a really detailed uh, <laughs> account of what to do, how to do it, what steps to follow not to do what not to do oh, anything uh, off the top for what not to do like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know it you might okay. get litigious okay okay reach out reach out what is the best way to reach out um yeah you can uh write to our email <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a twitter also that 13.8k people are already aware of but there's always room for more Jesus. <laughs> I don't think there's room for more. I think it should have stopped a long time ago. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll keep throbbing. <laughs> Please. 
Um, no, the other email account that you can write is uh, gorillasworkers at zohomail.com. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. And yeah, if, if you specify uh, somewhere in the email that you're interested in, in like getting to know something of like worker self-organization or building a Betriebsrat, we will definitely prioritize that answer uh, and get back to you quickly. Right. Well, if there's nothing else, I just want to thank you all for coming uh, 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 and talking to us and validating our existence is the left voice. In the <laughs> you all heard it here first. <laughs> We're legitimate. Uh, but seriously, thank you very much and uh, uh, good luck in the future. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, thanks. No, I would say you. keep it up. There's a reason everyone's excited. Even if they're, <laughs> even if they're a drain sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You're doing something right. Yeah, shit. I, I didn't mean to be ungrateful a little while ago with my fucking rant. I, I then <laughs> thought about that. I was like, shit. <laughs> this sounds really fucking grumpy. But no, like, yeah. I, I think I can, I can speak for uh, at least not just myself in saying that uh, we're all really grateful and... and and yeah, and receiving like, you like your support, the support of other people, just of a random, just fucking like people walking down the streets, like checking out the strike and be like, yeah, keep on doing it, you know, keep on fighting the good fight. And that always feels really nice. Um, be it that kind of support or just groups reaching out or organizations or just people who want to know like how to support or donations or et cetera. All of that has been amazing. So. Uh, a big thank you to all of you. And with that, we will catch you guys on the bonus feed. Ciao, ciao.